Welcome to The Old World Lives, a World of Fantasy Battles podcast. You can find us on Facebook at The Old World Lives, on Instagram at The Old World Lives, and you can reach us by email at theoldworldlives at gmail.com. And now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of The Old World Lives, a World of Fantasy podcast. With me tonight, I have Nicholas. Hello. And, of course, it's as usual, it's me, Christopher. And uh, it's only us this time, because one of us was kidnapped, at least. Yeah, you still lonely too. Yeah. And this episode is our second listener question special. So that would be the focus for tonight. And we have gotten quite a few questions this time. Yeah, it's been great. Got a lot of response. Yeah, it's nice to get that uh, interaction with uh, our listeners. Yeah, and we got some great questions as well. It's going to be a good episode, I think. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, let's well, let's start off with uh, what have you been doing in the the hobby lately? Uh, I've been painting some dwarves. Uh, kind of had to put it on hold a bit to paint some thirty k for a thing I was going to, and uh, I've been playing some. I went to uh, uh, what was it called? This town. Canterbury, uh, it's south of London, to play a game uh, a couple of days ago. So it was a lot of fun. They had a great uh, club there. Uh, met some of the players there before at the Bringing Back 6th Edition tournament. It's nice to go down there and play. I played against Chaos Dwarves with my Kislev, and um, I lost a game. Uh, I, I had like a decent plan. The plan uh, like went as I wanted. I got to to attack where I wanted to attack, uh, but the dice were against me in the initial moments, and then everything just fell apart. It was a really good game, though. really enjoyed it. Nice. So, was, was it just a game, or was it like a game day or anything? No, it was just that game. It took a while to go there to Canterbury, so yeah, we only had time for one game, then we had to go back. Fair enough. Traveling in the UK is uh, quite time-consuming, cons- isn't it? Yeah, it's it's weird because like you look at a map and it looks like it's very close, but just all the traffic and all the roads, things cross all the rivers. I don't know, it just takes a while. Yeah, well, given the, the situation in Sweden, it's usually not that much better unless you go by car here. Yeah, yeah, the trains are screwed in Sweden. Wherever you want to go, it's always delayed or cancelled or whatever. Yeah, and now during the summer they're doing. What is really needed repairs, but they are really annoying as well because they increase travel time by an hour or you have to take an extra train somewhere that you don't really want to go just to get where you are going. Yeah. yeah. So what have you been up to? Well, I've been uh, thoroughly neglecting my 80% completed uh, Swordsmasters and have been painting, <laughs> building and painting Skavens instead. Yeah, as usual then. Yeah, can't hit, really focus. That's the problem. Hit that sweet, sweet 80% mark and then, uh, oh, what's this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sadly, the 80% mark isn't tabletop. So <laughs> that would be, <laughs> at least that would be beneficial if you could just reach the 80% and then just finish them later and still be able to play with them properly. No, but yeah. I've been uh, doing, a, doing some work on my Mordheim Warband, which is a clan. Clan Pestilence Warband. So they will be finished, well, maybe in a couple of days because I really want to finish them and they're at 75% perhaps. So we never know. 
Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are planning uh, on a game day, right? Yeah. If everything goes to plan and uh, everyone yeah. can make it, then you have a goal. A yeah, there will be a continuation on our little Water Princess campaign and some Mordheim. That's what's planned, at least. Nice. Yeah, Jimmy is uh, deep into Mordheim right now. He's preparing for that yeah. Mordheim 2019. Yeah, that's next weekend. So when we record this. Yeah. Yeah, it's been nice. Like we got some uh, Mordheim uh, queries, and it's so nice to have Jimmy because he just knows everything. Yeah, and he's. Well, I was a bit interested in Mordheim when it was first around, but never really got into it because it wasn't what my gaming group was doing at that time. But having Jimmy now has really just made well made that the step to just get into the game that much easier. I can can put it like that. Yeah, twenty years later. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's about time then, because it's yeah. legally, you can legally buy alcohol in Sweden. That game. <laughs> yeah. All right, do we have anything more to talk about in the intro? What have we been doing? Or what's no. anything been released? I think we. it's been summer, so there's not that much been going on, right? Yeah. Well, rain, if we go by Swedish weather this year. Yeah. So you want to get into the questions? Yeah, there's no news and, or anything, so why not? Not that I have anything against senseless violence, manling, but why exactly are you strangling that old man? Gotrekernissen, troll slayer. All right. Uh, I can start with the first one from HeroQuest1664. wonder what that year it represents. Maybe that's his age. It's a vampire. All right. Uh, what's the best way to synergize Slaves to Darkness Chaos keywords? I don't know if he's trolling or he's ignorant or if he's actually talking about how to synergize the three books in 6th uh, edition. If it's the three books, I just put them, to, put them in a pile and just shuffle them about and choose your general and then choose your units. <laughs> and uh, what what, yeah. what kind of general you're using, you can get that book's troops as troops. Isn't it like, something like that? Yeah. Yeah, so the, like the keyword thing and synergies, that's a Age of Sigmar thing. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, I have really no idea what... Uh, I couldn't answer that question even if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. But if you're talking about 6th edition, how to mix your chaos stuff, it seems like you can take whatever you want and it'll work pretty well. Yeah. And this depends on your theme. Yeah. If you want to, if you want mortal humans or if you want demons or if you want beastmen, that's your focus. Yeah. If you want to like some chaos that are in the Empire or coming down from the north or... Depends on what you want to do. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to put it like this. The next question is from Barbior. And what do you think has led to the resurgence of 6th edition? Do you think the support at 6th edition, 9th age, etc. are getting will lead D-dubs to release a new mass battle system? Do you want to start answering? Well, I'm going to start answering with uh, so, from some, by someone that isn't here to answer for himself. That is Christopher, because he actually wrote down and replied to this question. And he says, a coordination of nostalgia, experience from other World of Fantasy Battle systems and future editions. I mean, the fact that it still stands is sort of a testament to how it survived the test of time. There are incongruences, but mostly are amended at a later date by FQ and Rathos. Is this for this question? Because that doesn't really feel that it's for this question. I don't know. Uh, me neither because that's the only one he has replied to basically so <laughs> but i think that 
if they wanted to, they could probably release a like like they have with the Heresy, like a specialist games version of a, like a Warhammer Classic or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think it's strange that you kind of abandoned that uh, niche or like that that kind of war game because it's like such a big thing in wargaming with rank and file like there are so many mm-hmm. other games now that have taken that up the like kings of war and all well, ninth age and used a lot of other games the song of ice and fire yeah and it's just like you can see those kind of war games everywhere like i went to salute and there were so many different versions of like just rank and file games so you seems strange to abandon yeah. that part of the like there's there's money to get there so i don't know why they uh, ignore it but i think like the the resurgence now as well is because uh, people have tried Ninth Age. Maybe they don't like it as much as the the original. They tried Kings of War, didn't like it that much. And uh, I think like Sixth Edition has kind of gotten a lot of upswing because the game died. Because if it hadn't died, people would still be playing Eighth Edition or yeah, whatever edition it would be now. Yeah, uh, but personally, I think like Sixth Edition that's that's Warhammer, and then they kind of added on stuff to that. But that's like the the basic version of Warhammer that I always like. Yeah. It's and a lot of people are in like between our ages as well that are reconnecting to sixth edition that maybe played it in their teens. So yeah, yeah, and uh, Joseph brought some guys that haven't played any war games before, and it's like, oh yeah, I played sixth edition Worm Fantasy, and that's what I was crazy and awesome. Yeah. So to sum it up, I think they could pro- pro- probably release a well, maybe a rule book with some army rules. For probably not eighth edition, given how massive that got. If you want to get people back into the game, I mean. Yeah, I mean, like you don't really need to release the books anymore. You like you could re-release them. I think that would be a good idea. Just re-release yeah. uh, like sixth edition or eighth edition or whatever. Just do like a limited release. But then, yeah, like you could, you could do that. Like a limited then, edition print, yeah, and also just uh, re-releasing the models that they, like they've been doing, but maybe do that for plastics as well. Just do like limited releases of each of the factions, just like <laughs> one go, and yeah. that, that would be it. So what's basically needed is a re-release, a rerun of uh, the Empire Militia box and yeah. the Knights of the Realm box, and may, may, possibly the Men at Arms box, and people would be happy. Yeah. Yeah, like you, you don't need to. They don't have to come up with a new thing because they already made like the most awesome game earlier. So you can just re-release that and release the models that everyone wants. Yeah. Boom, money. Yeah, and given that those were injection molded plastics, those molds are really expensive. So if they're still viable, they could probably do it, unless yeah. they scrap them, which I would be quite a bad idea, I think, for us players at least. Yeah. All right, next question. Simon, and uh, do you want to read it? Sure. Simon Etches writes, In theory, could one stick to a single army and play basically all playstyles, race-specific, question mark, or does it make sense to collect and play all the different armies? Asking for a friend who has 10 of the armies available in 6th edition. I know troops have different stats and buffs, and individual armies have specific magic, but is there really enough difference between the horde armies, for example, or the elite armies, the uber-magic armies, etc.? Well, uh, there's quite a lot of difference looks-wise between lizardmen and high elves if you want uh, elite magic armies. Yeah, I think like, uh, like the better game you have, the 
the smaller the differences between the factions. Just yeah. just small differences should be enough, and uh, just the feel of the army. But also, it's, uh, you really notice at the sixth edition that the armies are kind of limited to what they have. That the dwarves only have a certain type of unit, and another army has just these yeah. kind of units. But uh, on the other hand, you also have. Uh, access to the Dogs of War book in 6th edition, if you want to put in yeah. a certain like a faster element to dwarves or some artillery to well, basically any army that can't take cannons Yeah, and I would say like if you want an army that you can play all styles with, that would just be Empire they're just yeah. the most versatile army in the game. Yeah, they got uh, a little bit of everything, they're like a they're a jack of all trades army Yeah, Yeah, you can't can't really make like a super elite infantry army with them, like you can with chaos or dwarves. Um, but I mean, just the armies are more about feel, I would say, than actually being that different. I guess. Yeah. Well, look at the elf armies. Look at the high elves and the dark elves. They're not that much different play style, really. Yeah. If you get get down to it, it's just some cer- certain extra quirks that makes them that different enough to make both fun to play yeah and also if you want to go like to the extremes of some armies like uh dark elves if you want to go like monsters and terror and fear causing cavalry and stuff like that if you want to go to the extreme mm-hmm. of different armies then yeah they would be a lot different and high elves you could go like a fast cavalry and magic army and empire you could go like total gun line but if you play yeah. like the armies like all-around armies then they won't be that different from each other just more about feel what army you like and the fluff behind them, I'd say. Yeah, and then you can always look at uh, the slight uh, changed armies uh, that you got in uh, books like Storm of Chaos, if you want just your regular army with a bit bit of different feel for it, for a game or two or a campaign or whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. If you have have 10 armies for 6th edition, good on you. It's just more of a collector thing than actually having different playstyles, I would say, though. And if you got really have 10 of them you're welcome to visit and we could probably have a game day with you alone <laughs> yeah so so it's, well so let's basically it's aesthetics and the feel of the army that you want to play and having more than one army is beneficial because then you will not get bored of that army if you only have a limited number of models available for it yeah you can just rock up to a game day and just roll a d10 yeah all right, uh, Christopher did not write a response to this question. Should we m- move on to the next one? Yeah, and uh, this is from Daniel Miller. And uh, are there any armies that inspire you? And his one is uh, and the Chambers Skaven army. So, anyone that inspires you, Nicholas? Yeah, I, I thought about that. Uh, I, I can't really remember a specific army. It's just like so many armies inspire me when you see uh, armies at events and how much effort people put into them and put like their own touch on them like they're all really cool but I haven't I don't really have like that one army that I've always tried to live up to I really thought about this but I don't really have have one stored in my memory banks uh, I really like used the models in the back of Storm of Chaos I always mm-hmm. remember those models like oh that's like the, the peak of, of fantasy in the painting for me and that massive uh, banner with the eye, the yeah. Finch Herald, whatever it is. Yeah, and those are like 
that's like the only thing I can remember. Just like so many armies at events that you see that are just yeah. really cool in their own way. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I don't have any particular ones in uh, mind, mainly because last time I really saw names for them was like in the early 2000s when I still read White yeah. Wolf. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, but as we said, uh, the army books, the campaign books, they all have gorgeous armies in them. That's uh, probably the best yeah. way to promote the game, so they had to. Yeah, I remember also in uh, one of the annuals, they have like uh, some like a tournament play uh, armies, and they have oh, some yeah. really cool armies in there. Yeah, and then you can uh, see, read about how the generals thought about the army as well. Yeah. Which is quite nice. Yeah, I can't remember any names though. Like, there are so many <laughs> that are so good. Like, I don't really have the one army. Yeah, I do remember I had a gaming buddy in like 2002. I think his name was Hendrik. Since it was in 2002 and I haven't really spoken to him since 6th edition folded into 7th. So, but he had a really nice Woodelf army. That's all I can say. That was an inspiring to make me paint my first iteration of my Dark Elf army. Nice. Shout out to Henrik. Yeah, no idea if he still plays or what he's doing these days, but uh, he inspired me to paint my first army properly. So that's never, that's always something, I guess. Yeah, should feel proud. All right, I don't think uh, Christopher wrote <clears throat> an answer to this question either. Uh, nope. Uh, so let's move on to Mark Harrison. Yeah. And he writes, uh, now that Warhammer Fantasy is dead, is there a way it to tweak, tweak dash overhaul a particular edition to be as close to balanced as possible? Which edition would require the least amount of work in your opinion? Um, I think the ultimate would be 7th edition rulebook with 6th edition uh, army books. I've heard that that's like the peak. Like I keep hearing this and I keep saying it myself, but I have yeah. never tried it myself and I have never like met anyone who's tried it. Well, the the seventh edition book is a bit of a, there's some some small changes, but mostly tweaks to make it work better, folding in some uh, FAQs and uh, erratas into it. Into yeah. And it also has an index at the back, which is super yeah. handy. Like I, I looked at it uh, recently and then like, oh, I'm looking for this rule. And then, oh, wait, this book has an index. It's super easy yeah. to just find this one rule I'm looking for. Because uh, the sixth edition book, like, oh, I, you kind of have to know where the rule is before you start looking for it. Like, oh, yeah, I, I remember yeah. seeing that. Like, <laughs> it was between the psychology and the shooting somewhere. Oh. In the 20 pages between those. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd say that I'm not sure that the game is unbalanced unless you want it to be unbalanced it's like every games worship game yeah. ever they're not they could probably be better from a game game design point of view in some some respects at least but that's not surprising given that they release the core rule book and maybe one or two army books in a year and then releases the rest of the army books to get people to buy stuff the next the coming like five years yeah it's hard to keep them balanced all at once then. Yeah, uh, like kind of why we, or I chose to play Sex Edition as well, because that's, I think that that's the, the best you get like as a whole piece. Because 7th Edition is just so spread out with army books and everyone knows that oh, Dark Elves and Demons are used to way better yeah. than everyone else. And uh, it just feels like in 8th Edition, you're like, oh shit, those things are or overpowered, so let's just jiggle up the entire game, just change the, the core mechanics, and yeah. like nothing will be as good anymore. And then all of a sudden, it 
when you hear people talk about eighth edition, it almost feels like they're talking about Magic the Gathering. <laughs> so I would I say that a social so to speak, a social contract between the players is more important than having everything written down and balanced into the slightest detail. Because if you balance it, um, you can work on balancing it forever, but if the players don't really feel like being nice, it won't matter. Yeah. I would say if you just want to pick, take like a, a whole thing, because I've seen also people like want to do fan-made books for 6th edition and just tweaking 6th edition and stuff. I'm not really a fan of that. I just, it's just easier if everyone is doing the same thing and if everyone is playing like the game as it is. Uh, and I think 6th edition is the most balanced. But if you want to have like the most balanced game, then I think you should play 6th edition using the Raven Horde's army list. That's it. Oh, definitely. Those are probably the most balanced uh, army lists for that edition. So Yeah. And if you want to have a streamlined uh, book, more like a, the rule book, and play 7th edition with Raven Horde's army list. Boom. And you have two books. You don't need anything else. You have the perfect game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well... If you look at uh, the next question, because I'm just going to move on, because otherwise we just ramble, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. And this is from uh, the prison colony of the prison colony, this one. Yeah, as far away as possible from us. Yeah, let's hope it stays like that. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, this is from uh, Rene from uh, that other podcast. I'm not really sure what it's called anymore. They haven't released anything in ages, have they? No, it's been a while, like a month at least. Yeah, and I'm just saying that because we tend to do the same thing. So <laughs> uh, this is uh, his question is, other than the Old World Lives, what is your favorite Warhammer Fantasy Battles podcast? So, Nicholas, you start. Well, th- there aren't many. And uh, he's just trying to bait me here to say that how much I love their podcast. And I really love their podcast. Uh, I just want to say, though, that there is another podcast, uh, Back to the Future, Future Hammer, that have a even more delayed release schedule than either of our podcasts. Uh, but I do enjoy listening to those guys. They were also at the Bring Your Max Edition term. Uh, nice. Yeah, but I do love your podcast, Renee. The Elector Counts podcast. Just release some more episodes. And maybe uh, get another backing track than uh, Factory Works or Creaking Metal. Yeah. I was saying that as uh, I want to say something. Um, I actually going to go a bit off piste here and mention a podcast with a similar name to ours. And this is, is the Old World podcast, which is all about uh, the fourth edition of uh, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Yeah, I listened to this as well. And they got some, actually some great episodes. They go through the lore, they go through the rules and some theme episodes. And they also got uh, play episodes, which is really nice to just hear people actually doing something with the rules and not just talking about them. Yeah, and they've had some uh, some of the creators of the the new uh, role playing game. It's been really yeah. awesome as well. Just hearing them talk about how they created this game in the whole world. The latest one they have, uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, yeah, Sam Manley, which is uh, one of the artists that works on the fourth edition books. He talks about pretty manly uh, name. Yeah, talks about how he, well, how they go go through and how they make all of the, the images and what goes into it and. Uh, that's really nice uh, to hear, actually. Yeah, oh, I've seen there are some more uh, podcasts as well about the, the role-playing game. I haven't really listened to a lot of them. I, I tried one more, but it was not as good as the Old World podcast, so I stuck with that. Yeah. So that's uh, other than... Th- that, that is a bit of a cop-out because it's technically not a 
fantasy battles podcast, but it is set in the same world. And if you're interested in the role-playing game and interested in the lore, you might uh, probably should check it out. Give it a few listens, and if it's not for you, it's not for you. That's more, that's more I can say. Yep. Uh, Rene wrote also a follow-up question, if I may. Out of a scale of one to Tolaris, how awesome is Tolaris? And uh, Christopher actually wrote a reply for this one. He said, Tolaris, one out of ten Nagash. Basically, negative Ash. So, yeah. uh, Tolaris is better than Nagash in 6th edition, isn't he? I haven't looked at Nagash's role in 6th edition. All I know is that Tolaris is a a hero's choice uh, for 245 points. Damn. But it's got a bit better stat line and some two magic weapons, two magic items that are technically just taken from the regular uh, Dark Elf uh, magic item list. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To me, he's just another Elgi, just, just pointy air toughness three. <laughs> yeah, but he's got killing blow against monstrous creatures. Yeah, I'm not impressed. I'll give him a, a one. Yeah, I. I say that there are better characters than Tolaris in the game, and there are worse characters. We're gonna settle for that. I think. Mediocre. Yeah. Right. Lots of love from Rene, Tasmania, Australia. P.S. Christopher is a dirty, dirty asser, and Lord Malachi's assassin squads are on their way. Dot dot dot. Yeah, as Better you can hear, it. they have failed so far. They're probably not even being able to make it this far. It's too hot for them here. All right, next question. Joshua Van said, it's a, it's a great name. All right. Uh, hi, guys. I'm a player based in Japan, and we have a very small but dedicated base of players here that love the old world and playing Warhammer. So just a small shout out to our Facebook group, Old Hammer Japan, in case you have any listeners based out here. I might join that. Sounds cool. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, so just two, three questions. Uh, question one. As you guys are really passionate about 6th edition, and as I have never played 6th edition due to my reservations about the difference between 5th and 6th in terms of army selection, magic, etc., can you tell me the main differences between the, these iconic editions of the game and the strengths that you think 6th has over 4th and 5th, say? Here, lords and heroes are weaker in 6th. Yeah. Know, and that's a good thing. Uh, I, I have never played 5th edition. Have you played 5th edition? I've played 5th edition before I started playing 6th edition and I started playing 6th edition when it was released so it's quite a while ago yeah I never played it so I can't really say I just, I can just like say the differences that I've heard of what people yeah. told me but I, I as I don't have an experience I don't feel this, the, the full picture uh, but I've heard that 5th edition is just like epic heroes and just grunts that don't really do anything and crazy magic they had like a card game built into the game itself but i don't really know yeah they had that expansion that was basically just warm and magic that was i think even what's called warm and magic so just like eight edition yeah but i say that uh, <laughs> i think uh, the fluff got a bit darker in sixth edition and the heroes got a bit weaker so it's more of a you don't really have to rely as much on your heroes as you did before. Yeah, can you can't rely on your heroes pretty much in sixth edition? I would say it's all down to to yeah. rank and file, unless they have like a magic item that makes your unit immune to panic or something. But they're yeah, quite good. Yeah, they're more like just passive buffs than like uh, just heroes that can yeah. swing the game. Of course, there are 
really good magic items as well. But any hero or lord can die quite easily if it's in the wrong circumstances. Yeah. yeah I would say it's more like a greedy fantasy, more down to the rank and file, more about maneuvering your blocks than epic magic fights and uh, epic hero fights. Uh, but as I said, I can only say what people have told, them, told me about 5th edition. Yeah, that's all, almost what I'm basing mine, what I'm saying on as well, because as I said, I haven't played that game for like 20 years. So it's hard to give any up-to-date uh, thoughts and comments on what the main difference are, other than what we've said so far. Yeah, all right. His second question. I have never played 7th edition, and I feel that it is, it is the edition that never gets mentioned as most people praise over every edition apart from 7th. Is there a reason for this? Just curious. Well, it's just a, a cleaner book than 6th edition, but other than that, it's basically the same rules. It's just that there, uh, it was just the whole era in Games Workshop's life when it was just massive codex group, and everyone got a bit sick of that. Yeah, and it's also... I mean, some of the army books for 7th edition was released as the 6.5 books, as they're inofficially called as well. So it it started, the books started to change before the the book was, the main rule book was actually released. And then they really didn't fit in properly in the 7th edition for some reason, even though they were made for it. Yeah, yeah and it's just like uh, that whole era in Games Workshop, I would say, like people started getting a bit of sour taste. A lot of people started leaving because it's like sixth edition. You had so so much good like hobby going on, and they released so many expansions that were just purely hobby based, like the General's Compendium and Lustria, and these really nice and cool yeah. books. And seventh edition, like okay, here's the rule books, and then they only released the army books, and all of the army books like had a small creep. So it's just like okay, this book is better than the last book, and this book is better than that book, and then at the end it was. Everyone just n- knew it. Like, yeah, Dark Elves and Demons win all the time. Like, every tournament, yeah. these win, everything. When you can have a Dark Elf Sorceress on a Manticore that basically just manages to fly to the flank of your army and then throw Shadow Magic that is basically a lance weapon <laughs> across the board. So. Yeah, I don't think people had a lot of good memories from that time so they were pretty happy when 8th edition came around yeah so that's probably why we we mentioned it and uh, other people say that you should play 7th edition with the 6th edition code or army books yeah yeah but people used to go for 6th edition overall because it's just easier yes you got storm of chaos as well yeah and that's also a reason why people got a bit annoyed after when they switched over because storm of chaos in the end didn't matter for the story at all yeah yeah it's a bit lame yeah they could have made it really great but let's not go into that because that's a entire episode in itself right you want to do the third question yes oh man that's a massive question <laughs> i can read it if you want yeah please do all right as a player that loves fourth and fifth editions of the game and the wealth of choices in regards to magic items in particular in those editions do you find it an, an area lacking in the later editions of the game when they were removed? And have you guys tried the 5th edition campaign supplement at all? They are such fun to play and would highly recommend trying them out even in 6th edition or other editions as they would be adaptable. They offer a lot of a fun narrative story for various races in the old world and introduces new characters into your games. The scenarios have special rules designed for each of the four parts and a historical battle scroll 
and alternative battle scroll if you want to build your own lists. Each battle is between 1,000 and 1,500 points and builds up over four games, with the last being usually around 3,000 points aside. The troops available would depend on your victories and losses in the previous game, which adds to the tension when playing previous scenarios. Just thought I would recommend those for you to try, as I know you enjoy the narrative gameplay more than the more pitched battle style. I have also loved the more narrative style of gameplay, and it's hard to go back to the pitch battle style of play. Oof, that was uh, a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, but he got a point because those uh, uh, small expansions or like articles that were in White Dwarf were published on the web in the end, they were great. They were also they were also yeah. still on still on the they were on the website when uh, they switched over had sixth edition instead, and they still continue to work on small expansions like that yeah i've never tried that i've played some kind of the games like that like me and jimmy did last year we had like the kind of a build-up thing but then it was just totally freestyling is taking stuff and yeah i would really like to try that the, like the the grudge of the uh, drawing is it yeah i'd like to try that out it'd be cool yeah and so, you got uh, quite a lot of those small like just like a campaign as i said or mini expansions which are really interesting and they are adaptable they are adaptable for all editions more or less yeah yeah it would just be great to do that with a friend over a weekend so, yeah, yeah. Hmm. maybe i'll try and find that grudge of drawing book so which ones are there? there's the grudge of drawing and then there's uh, an orc one right yeah that's the tears of isha oh yeah and, the, uh, don't they introduce some characters there they're they're in later editions as well i love cork yeah yeah there are some some characters are actually introduced in these i think yeah, yeah, good shout. I really like to try this out. Here we got Tears of Isha by Thomas Pirinen. So it must be great. Yeah, so play uh, High Elves and Dark Elves against each other. And the Reconquest of the Shadowlands. So, yeah, quite interesting stuff, these campaign books, actually. Yeah, and uh, magic items. Uh, I don't really know how magic items worked in 5th edition, so I can't really say anything about that. Weren't there cards for that as well? Possibly. I can't say since it's been too long. I have a feeling that there are like some crazy magic items in 5th edition. Just a hunch. Yeah. Uh, but what can I, I can say about the other editions, like 6th edition, you got a lot of magic items in the army books and not a lot of common magic items. And in 8th edition, you don't have a lot of magic items in the army book, but you have a lot of common magic items. Yeah, they made they probably scrapped a lot or merged a lot that were quite possibly the same weapon with a different name and put them in the main rulebook instead. Yeah. I am I really like how, the since we're currently playing the Border Princess campaign with the limitations, that is, you can only have three magic items with a total value of 100 points unless you capture more territories. That gives you points for magic items. So that makes your magic items basically fixed from the start. And uh, I like that more than uh, people just loading magic items on everything because it makes them feel less special somehow. Yeah. Yeah, I used to play dwarves, so I basically only know runes. I love my runes. Yeah. Yeah. I can say that runes are different because then you want to put runes on everything. Oh you got hey. this bag with you. Uh, put a rune on that one. <laughs> I just love like making rune weapons because they, they really feel like yeah you made this weapon. This weapon belongs to yeah. that guy. Because magic items is like, oh, so everyone has this special blade. But on the other hand, when you do make rune weapons yourself and you are doing like a one-off game with an opponent you know will play Tomb Kings, 
you are a bit of a dick when you make a magic hammer <laughs> with the rune of flight oh. and, and the fire rune. Is this a flaming rune? Oh, sorry. I yeah. put it there by oh, accident. Oh, so I'm just going to put my flaming rune on my flying hammer that auto hits. Same goes for if you're playing somewhere with a lot of treemen. Yeah, just a total accident. Just, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but that's good with when you play campaigns when even runes would be fixed. So you only have your certain rune weapons. I yeah. like that. I personally, at least, I personally like it more when you limit it and let the mages be mages and the soldiers be soldiers. A bit yeah. more, but I know that not how everyone wants to play it, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah, you can't really say how they work in 5th edition, but I don't know. I like the way they are in 6th edition. I, I think it's a the, good balance, because magic items aren't totally crazy, but they add something, and they add flavor. Yeah. Then you can also look at the more expensive magic items, where you basically have a bolt thrower that's man-portable, or elf-portable in the High Elf Army book. <laughs> oh. Right. Thank you, Joshua, for those questions. And uh, yeah, I think about the, about the tips about the, the campaigns. Definitely need to try those yeah, out. Definitely. Because they're, they are adaptable. It's probably just updating the unit entries. So, uh, next one is from Liliana's Reaver. I don't know it's too late to ask, but I have a two-part question. Gentlemen, what do you find is the best way to rekindle the interest in old veterans for warm and fancy battles and attract new players? Uh, I re tried reaching out on the internet, but all people want to play is Age of Sigmar and Warhammer 40k. So let's start with the interest in old veterans. How did we get back into the game, Nicholas? I don't know. <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it just happened. It just came, yeah. Like It's hard to, uh, to force enthusiasm, both in yourself and other people. Uh, but just found playing computer games. There are a lot of fantasy computer games, Total War and Vermintide. Oh, yeah, I forgot mm -hmm. to mention. Because Vermintide is so awesome. Um, and just reading books as well. Just reading some of the old books. Just go back to to your favorite book or try and find some new ones. And uh, I don't know. Start small. Just try and engage with the, the world and hopefully the enthusiasm will come. Yeah. And uh, if you have people that you know have been uh, interested before, send them links to hobby Instagrams with fantasy stuff, maybe Facebook pages. Give, give them a, a heads up on there's you know podcasts that they can listen to if they want to an intro a refresh so to speak yeah just join some facebook groups get your feed flooded with fantasy just, yeah it's a just a great way to just see it happening around you yeah there's always loads of new lovely square based stuff on instagram these days yeah yeah, I don't know where you live, but just uh, post somewhere, like on a Worm Fantasy Battles page, and see if anyone wants to play. They live close to you, because it's like it's always somewhere, someone close by. Uh, and maybe they just aren't on the Facebook page as well. I don't know how to reach out to those guys. Just go to the game club, just ask around. Yeah, if there are people that you know personally that used to play, get uh, get them talking about it in person. It's probably better than uh, just uh, say, saying, "Hi, do you want to play Fantasy?" I know we played this last like 15 years ago. Do you want to play it? And you send that as a message on on Messenger or text message or anything? I don't think that would work. Yeah. Well, it did kind of work when we started this podcast. But <laughs> yeah. Also, you can just uh, I don't know if, if you have like uh, two small armies. It's like a combat patrol thing. 
you paint up two forces and just introduce people to it. Either mm-hmm. just bring it to a game club or invite people to your place, whatever. It could be a good way. Or if you have people that are interested mainly in Age of Sigmar, there are some uh, scenarios in the General's Compendium for 6th edition that are basically they're skirmish scenarios. So you just have the low number of models. You could possibly use the same models as they use in Age of Sigmar, depending on what, which armies there are, and get them hooked that way. And that yeah. also works for new players. And I know that some new players that, for instance, are playing like I don't know, the Gloom Spite Gits or whatever they're called, the goblins and similar armies, are interested in the background that goes goes before Age of Sigmar started. So when they got hooked on that game, they start to read back and then they all of a sudden experience, get the experience of and the realization of, uh, well, there's about 30 years of books here that I can read. Yeah, so many. I, I, like I have, I have a huge backlog and I'm reading fast books like crazy now. So good because there's yeah. so much that I haven't explored in this world. Yeah, yeah. so that's uh, maybe a way of getting new players to see, well, you know, those... Uh, Goblins you're playing, this is what they used to be in the old game, and get yeah. them, them interested in the in the fluff and maybe getting a game. Because I think the most important thing is talk to people and get them talking and see what they are interested in. And if they're not interested, maybe hold off a bit or get just send nice photos every now and then to remind them that there are something cooler out there. Yeah. All right. Next question is from Quick Draw Hobby. I have one for you guys. What are your opinions of unit fillers in 6th edition? They weren't common back in the day, but grew in prominence during 8th and especially for 9th age. I have always looked down on them as big distractions and, for some reason, lazy. Even though there are some wicked cool ones out there. If you guys uh, do endorse them, why? And what do you guys think makes especially compelling unit fillers? Is there a point when they are too big? And, if, they, uh, if they make up most of the unit, they are too big. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is like such a, there's no like definitive answer to this question. If they're good, they're good. If they're bad, they're bad. Like I can't say anything more than that. I think we answered this one last time. And that is uh, one of the replies we basically had when we got this question is if they're basically just a a base with a rock on it and it looks like a rock and they're boring, then you shouldn't use them. Yeah. But if they're this is an awesome unit filler with like a, like a, because you can really make them into small dioramas as well. Yeah, uh, but he's like asking specifically about sixth edition. I think like sixth edition, you didn't really need unit fillers because like your biggest units are like thirty guys, and that was like a huge unit of skavens or whatever. Unless you play like oh well, night goblins and skavens can be like a fifty man unit, but a general yeah. elf unit is like fifteen to twenty. And yeah, that's if you put a unit filler in that unit filler will make up most of that unit. Yeah. Because in eighth edition you had like these huge units, and it was like everyone was using unit fillers. Like it's natural to have unit fillers, so it just looked good, and it looks good then, like when both sides have unit fillers, and then you just have these small scenes going on. But I think like in sixth yeah. edition, it's just like a it's a different aesthetic to it to not have unit fillers. I guess I haven't seen anyone that I've been playing with now that has a unit filler. I think, or maybe one or two that like also used them for the eighth edition. I think. Uh, yeah, it's like I'm fine with it people using it for sixth edition as long as they look good but as you say like if it's just like a, a four times four base size just rocks I'm like yeah oh, come on just paint four more guys yeah but on the other hand if you do like a if you got a regular 20 by 20 
millimeter units or base size for a unit, and you put a 40 mil base in, you could do, if you do it fluff-wise, because there are ogres in the tower guard of Nagarond. So, so if you put, if you model up a an ogre to look like a dark elf soldier and put it on a 40, 40 mil base in a unit, and uh, then it would be cool and fluffy. Yeah. So yeah. You fluff point. And it won't take up, make up most of the unit. But if you put like a, a small garrison guard unit, city guard unit, and you have five city guard or six city guard and a 10 man unit filler, yeah. then, you, then you go on the wrong side again of what's cool and what's practical. Yeah. Yeah. That's just like, as I said, it totally depends on unit filler. So yeah, I'm, I, I'm not against them. But I wouldn't say like, oh yeah, I endorse them. I want them everywhere. It just depends. Yeah, yeah, it depends on which unit, which army, and what you do with them. Yeah, I can uh, see some really cool. Uh, like if you do an army that's still that hasn't left its baggage train behind it because they got like ambush or something, that and they have part of the baggage train in a unit if they got a large yeah. unit. So they're basically protecting the wagon or whatever. That could be cool. Yeah. But don't uh, do Christopher actually replied to this question as well. And he says, Defo, yeah. I mean, honestly, we've all seen the, the highest and lowest of unit fillers. There are basic gluing skeleton legs on the base, or my green sprayed foam is a warp stone. But I think it's a legitimate chance of showing off creativity and artistry. It lets you explore outlets for the team of your army and do stuff like scaving, sneaking out of basements, sacrificial pools, and hearthstones. I know he used to yeah. put hearthstones because he made one of those himself. Yeah, probably. Also, I think he is also quite guilty to the gluing skeleton legs on a base. So <laughs> he's done that at all. And it's got chastised for it as well. So, you know, that's a bit of friendly scolding, basically. Yeah, but that's uh, that reminds me. I know Jimmy got a unit filler. I think he mainly used it for eighth. That for his goblin. No, no, not his goblins. His skaven. That are skaven uh, that are lobbing uh, po- po- poison glo- globes oh, yeah. down our well. Yeah, yeah, that's really nice. And, and it just depends what you make of it. Like, I can't say yes, unit fillers. No, no unit fillers. Just if you do a good job, then go for it. Yeah, I can say that if you have. Miners for dwarfs. There are miners from a company called GameZone, and they're basically miners that are currently excavating themselves out of the earth. So oh, that nice. could be a, quite yeah. a cool unit filler if you're using that special forward deployment rule for dwarfs for the miner. Yeah. And that's a situational. You can use it as a marker or a unit filler. Yeah. All right. I think we answered that question. Yep. Yeah. So. You can do the next one. Yeah, this, this is from Pros Play Painted. And obviously these last ones have been from Instagram. So if you want to check these people out, do that. And this is the million dollar question. Will you be using Citadel Contrast? Maybe. Maybe, <laughs> if I f- find a use for it. Yeah, I think it's, it depends on uh, the army you're doing. Because I usually don't paint with a white base. If, I think like if I would do like slash demons, then totally, I'd definitely go for contrast. If I'm painting dwarves, then no, just like to paint. I'm. Metal I consider or using. Base. I consider using it uh, when I do my uh, slayers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, to get the skin color down. Yeah, bo- both the skin color and the hair would be great for that. Yeah, and then maybe just use that as the base, and then highlight as appropriate, obviously. 
But yeah. given that, given a consistent tone of that much skin over an army, I've tried it with regular paints, and I'm not sure I want to do that again. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great because then you have like the entire army based on that as well. Because I have some slayers as well, but I'm not sure if I want to use contrast on them with them being the only unit in the army. I think they would look, I think it would show somehow. Like, Maybe know. that depends on if you're just leaving it at the contrast stage or not. If you yeah. just use that as the base coats and then continue highlight and do everything, I think it will look fine. I not, I have no idea the people that are so down on contrast that they're basically saying I refuse to play against someone that has a contrast painted army. Have you seen people saying that? Because like I've, I have I've, seen people saying that in comments. Hmm. Yes, because I I've like I've heard people saying oh everyone is so negative about it, but I haven't seen anyone being negative about it actually. Just I can't like, re- can't really see why. If more people get painted armies or if entry level people get painted armies that just gotten into the hobby that maybe haven't even picked up a brush before and get a painted army what's wrong with that yeah. it doesn't really lower the value of the paint job you've done before yeah yeah i'm just so used to painting on black and i use, use a lot of dark colors and metals so yeah probably won't uh, use it maybe if i do a, a like a bright army maybe like wood elves as well something like that yeah can probably make i know someone that's made he used uh, contrast on uh, i think he's from the modern dice podcast which is a general gaming podcast uh, and he he used uh, those uh, the contrast paints on uh, some of the stuff from the sylvaneth star- starter box so i'm not sure yeah. they could probably be played as dryage or something in sixth edition onwards and if you're doing them wet on wet they blend in the transitions so basically had like brown for the bark and then blue for the body. Mm. So they blended a bit. So the, it's a diffuse line between them, so they're not a sharp line. And it actually, cool. quite cool. So that's also something you could probably use them for if you wanted to. And yeah. as we've said, most of the starter boxes, the starter collecting boxes can be used in fantasy. You just have to rebase them. Yeah, I definitely want to see see them used in fantasy. I want to see you play your, uh, paint your uh, slayers with them. And Jimmy was talking about doing his uh, Middenheimers with him as well. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, he even sent that sent that as a hint to uh, the Wormer TV team or whatever it is that do the hobby stuff. Yeah. All right. Last question. What is your guy's favorite brand of modeling clay for model work? Um, that depends on what kind of work, basically. I've only used green stuff, so <laughs> I can't say anything else. I, I've used... I use green stuff. I use what's tech, what could be called brown stuff and gray stuff. One is, and like an aluminium epoxy. One is regular epoxies. They give different finish depending on what you want. If you want a sharper edge, use a certain a certain clay. If you want a softer, use green stuff, isn't it? That you can also blend most of them if they are of the same base. Yeah, I would imagine you used a lot of different modeling clays and materials. I also have. Uh, several kinds of milliput just to have on well some of them are used as fillers one of, some of them are used as on bases and larger stuff or the ba- or later to cover with other details i don't really have a favorite that's all i can say this is probably yeah, something different clays for different things yeah uh, different different uh, clays for different things and find what works for you i think yeah. Do you have any questions like, oh, yeah, I'm doing 
a brick wall or I'm doing this kind of rock, what should I use? Just ask Christopher and uh, he can tell you what he's using. Yeah, if, you do, if, you, if, for instance, you actually are doing a brick wall, I would actually recommend thinly sliced cork glued to a sheet. And then you can fill it with uh, some kind of wall filler between to get uh, the mortar. And get a, it has at least it's believable enough for dioramas. So it should work for warhammer terrain. Yeah. Or if you use uh, some kind of clay and then you use uh, rollers that give a like the Greenstuff World rollers to give the same effect. But that's not really what he asked. So if if anyone <laughs> wants, to, if anyone wants, we can talk about that in length in another episode. <laughs> the brick wall episode. Yeah. All right, those are all the questions we've got. Yeah, those are all that I could find, at least, uh, that was sent in to us. Yeah, oh yeah, I just want to say that as well. That uh, I got Vermintide 2, it's on sale. I've been playing that like crazy now. Just playing playing as a dwarf, it's so good. I love the game. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got it? I've got uh, the first one, and I've never really felt like I got a, got the time to start playing it, so to speak. Mm. Which That's is great. Which is just a bad excuse because I got my gaming computer at the painting desk, so that's probably why I don't play that much on it. <laughs> yeah, it's like if, if anyone has played Killing Floor, it's uh, similar to that, but fantasy. And uh, play, I'm playing as a dwarf, as an ironbreaker, with a usually with a pickaxe. So good. It's not like, like a pickaxe; it's more like a double-bladed scythe. These cut down <laughs> bunch of gaming with. So good. Yeah, they do have some. Uh, Quite nasty specialized equipment, the Iron Breakers. Yeah, yeah. So I've been just enjoying playing that lately as well. When I really should be playing dwarves, this is like it makes me want to paint dwarves more, but it also makes me want to play more of the game. <laughs> it makes you want to paint dwarves more, but uh, you realize the four or five hours have passed when you finally sit down to try to paint. Eh? Exactly. Yeah, I, I got uh, usually got uh, Total War going on. Uh, or well, not always when I paint, but sometimes when I paint, and uh, it really helps alleviate that boredom you get when you press end turn and have to wait for a yeah. half an hour or so, as in all <laughs> all of the Total War games. And I also see that Vermintide Two is uh, on currently at nine fifty one euros. Yeah, yeah, it's like sixty six percent sale. Yeah, yeah, That's... support the Swedish game developers as well. True. On the other hand, you get the collector's edition for fourteen twenty-seven. So, and then you yeah, get... I don't think there's a lot. This is like soundtrack and wallpapers in the collector's edition. Ah, well, that what's the point in that? Yeah, let's just get the game for nine fifty. It's perfect. Yeah, if there's uh, the only really good collector's editions are those that come with expansions that you have to pay yeah. for separately. Otherwise, yeah. Oh well, should we perhaps? Just end this and go play Vermintide instead. Yeah, yeah, I really want to go play it right now. <laughs> so let's end this episode. <laughs> yeah, and uh, well, we'll should we just uh, settle it now then and have the next episode as the dwarf special? Yes, yes, so much yes. So now you, everyone heard that it won't be next episode because we, of course, it will be. We're not Krell. <laughs> So next yeah. episode will be a dwarf special where we go through. Well, it will probably be a lot, lot uh, more than just the lore in sixth edition. So just to see how it developed over the years, and then some rules. Yeah, hopefully we'll do a 
good a job as Kral in researching the history of the dwarves, just how they changed between the different editions and also how the rules have changed in different editions and yep. uh, how to use them. And we will also do a comparison between the 6th and 6.5 book. for Yes, dwarves. special uh, overview of that. Yeah, we'll mention like the earlier editions and also 8th edition as well. Yeah. And if we got time and remember it, there is a, the small matter of a Slayer cult list we could talk about. And if anyone got any questions or anything in particular you want us to talk about when it comes to the dwarves, let us know so we can include it in the episode. Oh, I can already feel the insults coming from Renee, not the stunties. Yeah. It seems like a very hate or love race in general, the dwarves. Yeah, but on the other hand, that's how they are. So they're probably fine with it. Yeah. Oh, I should have mentioned this earlier. I've been reading The Great Betrayal. Yeah, nice. And uh, yeah, you really just get annoyed with the dwarves. And there's, <laughs> oh, and then you just realize the elves are about as dickish when they get to the king, the first king that actually inherited his post basically and you realize why they don't let people inherit the post of a king yeah yeah i think both sides are to blame for that conflict yeah that malachith and uh, a certain demon yeah but uh, we should probably not mention too much about the demon because that might be a spoiler yeah another episode all right let's wrap this up i need to go slay some ratman yeah and I'm going to go eat pizza. So that's also nice. Lucky but, day. Uh, yeah. But uh, this is it for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you've got any questions, send them in. You know where about at this point. And uh, thank you for listening. Goodbye.